0: I'm the student pastor here. Um, a little bit about me and how I got here. Um, I went. I was raised in church my whole life. Um, you know, went to church when I was little, but you know, I got like a lot of people lost along the way. Um, so I got saved when I was 19 years old. Um, I got called to ministry uh, when I was 20. Um, kind of at that point, developed this plan of when I was going to be youth pastor in four years. Um, as I was developing that plan, eight months later, David calls me. I've been friends with David my whole life. And David calls me and asks me to come to lunch. Um, and we talk, and, and I say, and he tells me, you know, that he's going to be leaving and that he wanted to put my name in. And the first instinct I said was no. Uh, and then he said, why don't you go pray about it? Because I really feel like this is something you need to do. And I said, okay, I'll go pray about it. And the more I prayed about it, the, the more I realized that this is where I was supposed to be. Uh, So we went through I fought to Marty and went through that long process and everything happened and I guess I've officially been here a month and a half since summer Um, but when I got called to ministry you know everybody tells you you need to come up with a ministry statement. You need to come up with this ministry statement for your life and what you're going to build your ministry on. So uh, you know I've got five or six buddies who are in ministry and we all got called at the same time and they all came up with these ministry statements and they're real elaborate and all these things and then It came to mind, and my ministry statement is very simple, and it's three words, and it's Jesus is better. And all that is, is no matter what you go through in life, and no matter what you're going to go through in life, and no matter how great things are going or how bad things are going, Jesus is better than your highs, and He can get you out of your lows. So what we've really been talking about, we've walked through Genesis, and in chapter 1 and 2, you know, it talks about how, you know, he created this he created the perfect earth and how he does it and he creates Adam and Eve. And then we get to Genesis three, and I'm gonna read it in a minute, but it's it's about how we fa- how they fail. You know, and, and when I was reading and studying this week, it really hit me that, you know, God created this perfect earth with with this perfect plan and humans messed it up. But he still loved us enough after we screwed up his perfect plan. That he sent his perfect son knowing we would also screw that up so that we could spend eternity with him. And we sing that song, Reckless Love, that we just sang. You'll never be able to understand the love he has for us. None of us will. Because the love he has for us is something that we can completely screw it up. And he still loved us enough to want that relationship with us forever. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3 today. We're going to read verses 1 through 22. What it says, it says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did did God really say you can eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat it or touch it, or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat in your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made linens for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid himself from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Then the man replied, The woman You gave to be with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate. So the Lord God asked the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, It was the serpent. He deceived me, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children in anguish. Your desire will be your husband, and yet you will rule over you. And he said to Adam, because you listened to your wife's voice, and ate the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it, for you are dust, and you will return to dust. Adam named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. The Lord God made clothing out of skins for Adam and his wife. He clothed them. The Lord God said, since man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not teach out, take from the tree of life, eat and live forever. So the Lord God sent him away from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove man out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming whirling sword east of the garden of Eden to guard the way of the tree of life. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you for this day. And I just thank you for allowing us all to be here. And just, uh, I pray that today your will will be done. Uh, that we will have hearts and ears for you and to listen, God. And just thank you for all you're doing, all you'll continue to do in the plan you have. Just now pray, amen. So the first thing it talks about, and this is the temptation of the serpent. So, the serpent comes to Eve, of course, and and, eat, and tells her, why can't you eat from the tree? And she said, because God said, of course, God told me not to. So by telling her that, then he comes back with that your eyes will be open and you will be like God. You know, I think anybody it would be cool. You know, when you hear you want to be like God. You know, that that sounds really cool. But what she didn't realize is what that entailed, you know. God told her not to eat the fruit for a reason. Because because God could see sin. And she couldn't. So it was perfect. The world was perfect. By eating this, it allowed her to see sin like God. And when you get to Adam, like a lot of us, he just took what she gave him. You know, like most good husbands do. When your wife gives you something, you take it. You know, you take it. And you do what she says. But in this situation, Adam was told by God, do not eat from the fruit of this tree. And he did it anyway. So it's really a question of in our lives is how many times do we know something is wrong and we do it anyway because we want to fit in or we want to do what everyone else is doing. You know, Adam knew he wasn't supposed to eat from the tree. He ate from the tree because Eve did. He ate from the tree because Eve did and nothing happened to her that he could see. Until after, and then they didn't even realize what they had seen was wrong. So many times in life, we know what choice we need to make, but we fail to do so because we fit in. So we know what temptations we have. You know, we all have temptations. We all have things we struggle with. And we all know what in our life makes us go to those temptations and fall into those temptations. But so many times in our life, we get so caught up in our daily routine and what we always do that we just keep going back into them because it just becomes normal. You know, our temptations become a normal thing in our life. You know, your temptations are things that halter you from growing, halter you from moving up, halter you from doing the things in life that you're supposed to do. You know, when, you know, being a high school kid, you know, I was a decent athlete. Uh, but, you know, you get caught up in doing what every high schooler does. You get caught up in fitting in with the in crowd. You get caught up with doing the things in your life that you want to do and things you think you're going to achieve by doing these things. And what you realize is later on, and what I've realized, is how much time did you waste during those times doing things of the world that didn't matter? Or doing things in your life that really didn't matter. That you fell into the trap of Satan and doing what he, you know, his plan for you instead of God's plan. So what, so I'm going to, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11. And it says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But he answered, It is written, man, must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and immediately angels came and began to serve him. So what we have there is much like Adam and Eve were tempted by a snake. If we look in the chat, chapter, Matthew, Jesus was tempted by Satan you know they were both tempted and they both had very different responses adam and eve being human fell into that temptation they fell into the fruit unrighteousness they fell into the trap that was there for them whereas jesus knew god's plan for him he knew what his what his goal was and what his goal was and what the end goal was and what he was here to do and if he would have fell into that temptation, then he wouldn't have been perfect. He couldn't have been perfect. But he knew what his goal was, and he knew what he was here to do. And because he was perfect and the Son of God, he was able to not go in the temptation that we so often fall into. So Jesus was tempted by Satan, but unlike us, he was able to fall out of the temptation because he knew the plan he was here to fulfill, and he had to fill it for us. The plan he had for us was to die on the cross and save us and raise on the third day. And then we get to the consequences of the sin. Based on the consequences, it talks about how the woman will have labor pains because of their sin. The woman's desires, her husband, and he will rule over her because of their sin. The ground was cursed, so the growing of crops and necessities required more labor they were cast out of the garden and the cherubim and the flaming whirling sword were placed east of the garden to Eden, to guard the way to the tree of life. So we think about our life. Right? The sin we the sins we've had and the consequences for those sins. Sometimes the consequences for sin, we don't think are very big. You know, sometimes it's just, you get told by your parents or, you know, you're, you get to talk to by your boss. You know, it, sometimes it's not, you know, we don't think it's that big of a consequence. But sometimes that sin we have takes us somewhere we never thought we would go. You know, that, that little white lie that you told somebody, that then you had to cover up with another white lie, then another lie, and then another lie, and then another lie. And eventually you're somewhere you never wanted to be at. You're somewhere you never thought Telling one lie would take you. You know, doing that one thing at work, you know, cheating on that one thing at work by doing that, you never thought how far it would go and how far it would take you. But the good thing for us, where they were cast out, is like we talked about in the beginning, even though we screwed it up, God still loved us. And John 3.16 For God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Even though we royally screw life up all the time. You know, we fail God all the time. We fail to do the things He has for us. And the consequence we all deserve is hell. You know, we, we all deserve hell. And we all deserve being held forever but he loved us enough to send us a savior but the real part of this I want to focus on with the consequences why does it take us hitting rock bottom so many times for us to turn to God and ask him to get us out you know we all have had those points in our life where we've not really known where to go where everything's gone bad and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse until we really don't know where to go next. And so many times in our life, in our situations, we wait until we're at the very bottom. We wait until we have nowhere else to go and we have nothing else to do to turn to God. So why when we know He loves us and we he, he knows all we know all these things about Him, we know He saves us, why does it take us so long to turn to Him? Why does it take us, you know, getting down to the bottom and not knowing where to go and literally feel like you're gonna die? And so sometimes you would rather die. Why does it take that point in our lives to turn to God? Because what we have is we have a God who loves us and a God who is sovereign and a God who never lets go of us. And all we have to do so many times is just turn to Him and ask Him to help us. And He'll do it every time. You know, we we serve a God who's never let us down, will never let us down. And things won't always work out how you think they should work out. But so many times they work out how He wants them to work out. And the thing... In the chapter. That sticks out most. When you read it. Is it part where he says. Then he asked, Sorry. And he said. I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. How many times. Do we try to hide our sin. How many times do we try to. Hide what's going on in our life. Because look, you know, I am a student pastor, so I deal with high schoolers a lot. And high schoolers are some of the most closed up people you will ever meet in your life. You work with a group of middle schoolers, and they'll tell you everything about their life. They'll tell you more than you ever want to know. You work with a group of high schoolers, and it's that age and that, just that part of your life where you literally don't want to tell anybody anything, or anybody anything about your life or what's going on. You don't want to. And the thing is, is you can hide sin from me. You can hide sin from each other. And you could hide sin from people. But you can't hide sin from God. Cause like when Adam realized he was naked because he's eaten the fruit and he had sinned, he tried to hide from God so he could not see him. God at that moment proved he could not hide from him because he found him. So, I'm a youth, I'm the youth pastor here. and We do a lot more visuals in youth because we learn better visually. So, I kind of got some things that we all, you know, the people hide from God, that you try to hide from God. Depression. You know, dealing with high schoolers, you deal with a lot of different things in middle schoolers also. You deal with a lot of different things. You deal with a lot of different situations at home. You know, I, I think the moment that I always remember is I was standing up here doing crusade, and all I said was, I know some of you never hear this at home, but I want you to know that no matter what, Jesus loves you. And for me, that was just, I know that. You know, most of us know that. But for that group of middle schoolers, you just saw a bunch of kids just cry. Because you realize those kids aren't told they're loved. Those kids aren't told that they're worthy of anything. Those kids aren't told that they mean something. And we have so many people now that feel like that. Adults, all you know, adults, kids, anybody feel like you're not worthy of that, that you're not loved, and you can hide depression. You can hide that from people. You can bear it way down deep and put a fake smile on and act like everything's okay. The next one is anxiety. You know, we all have times when we're nervous. We all have times when we get worried. But sometimes we let anxiety take over us so much and the worry of something take over us so much that it affects us in a way that we only that we can only imagine. You know, we let that anxiety take over us when we're alone. You know, we let we do things that we know we shouldn't do, but we don't know what else to do. Idols. We have idols in our lives. And those idols, many times, we put above God. Sometimes in our life. And I don't know your idols. You don't know your... I mean, other people don't know your idols. You know? Just because I don't know your idols doesn't mean you don't have them. And sometimes what we can do is is we can put our idols... And only think about them. We think about them so much that we forget to think about God. You know, there was a point in my life where this happened with me. You know, when I was a freshman in high school, you know, I was really good at cross country. And I was ranked number one freshman in state at one point and all these things. And and running became all I cared about. And my whole goal with my life was I was going to run. I'd never been hurt in my life, really. Never really been hurt. I was, you know, I was going to run, I was going to get a full ride at UT, I was going to run at UT, and I was going to do that, and I was going to be a Division One athlete. And uh, that probably would have happened. Uh, but, you know, sophomore year, you know, I break my collarbone, couch ridden for six months, put on weight, and it just doesn't work out how you thought it would. But I've realized now that that idol in my life had taken over my life. And it allowed me to not do the things God wanted me to do. A big one for youth, lust. We all know what we feel in our hearts. And the one good thing about youth is, is they really don't have filters. You know, I can be talking to a group of high school boys and there can be a girl walk by and you don't know what they're going to say. And they don't really care. You know, if I go in a group of adults and I'd say, you know, I'm a youth pastor, if they cuss, they stop cussing. If if they're talking about something they don't think I'm gonna talk, th- they stop talking about it. But if I go with a group of youth and I'm the youth pastor, it doesn't faze them. They don't care. I'm just I'm just another guy. You know, so you you know, you hear you know, you would be amazed at the amount of lust that goes on from everyone, you know. You can be married and, you know, you go somewhere and you see a girl and you just look at her, you know? And those are things that no one else sees. But in your life, lust is a problem, you know? And those are things in your life that you put way down deep and you don't tell anybody about because no one wants to be that person, you know? Jealousy. With so many times we get so caught up in what everyone else has. We all want the next thing, and we all want the next toy. We all want, we're such a materialistic world that we all want the next best thing. Nothing's ever good enough. You know, your car's never nice enough. Your girlfriend's never pretty enough. Your husband's never, you know, her husband's home so much more than your husband. You want your husband home that much. You know, we all have those things in our life that we get jealous over. And then we talk about pridefulness. This is a big one. Because we all want to feel like we're the best. We all want to feel like we're doing the right thing. Like we have everything going for us. And sometimes we're too prideful to look in the mirror and say, what's wrong with my life? You know, I don't know if you're prideful. You know, I can't just walk up to you and say, you're a very prideful person. You can hide that from me. But the theme we think it's crazy when people try to hide something from God. How many times in our own lives do we try to have sins that are going on in our life from Him? When we talk about that, when we talk about the sins we have for God, okay, and the sin we have in our life and those things we have in our life, it's really important for us to realize that we serve a God that is so much bigger than all those things. You know, we talked about rock bottom, we talked about the things in our life that halter us. Well, you have a God who loves you enough to send His Son to die on a cross for you. A God who loves you enough to wake you up every day. A God who loves you enough to provide for you. And a God who has blessed you with so many things in your life even when you don't realize it. And when we look at Adam and Eve as a whole, they're a lot like us. That materialistic nature of. I want the next big thing. The, guard, the whole garden wasn't good enough. The perfect life wasn't good enough. They wanted the one next big thing. And that next big thing. Cost them everything. That next big thing. Cost them all they had planned on. And the life they had. And they were cast out of the garden. Is it worth it to us to have that next big thing to lose it all? The temptations in our life, is it worth it to not give those to God to lose everything? Because like I've talked about so many times with our youth group, it doesn't matter what your past is. Because if you could out God's grace, we would have all done it a long time ago. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter how your present is. And it doesn't matter how you think your future is going to turn out. Because if you would have asked me four years ago if I would be right here, the answer is no. you ask people when they're 20 years old what they think they're going to do with their life, very few of them end up doing that. But is it worth it to us to give everything to God? To give Him all our temptations, give Him all our struggles, give Him all our insecurities, all our hurt. Is it worth it to us to give all that to God so that He can take that and do something so much better with it? is it worth it to do that and sacrifice a little bit to gain everything? So, so many times, we worry so much about not showing emotion on the outside that we forget the inside. We worry so much about you not seeing. Uh, Jonathan, I worry so much about you not seeing me struggling. That I worry so much about that. That I forget. But I don't look at the inside where I'm really struggling. The temptations in my life that are halting me. The temptations in my life that are slowing me down. We get so Caught up in making sure we look okay. That all that matters is how we look in here. And the ultimate goal of us as believers. Is to accept Jesus. And then go tell people about him. You know everybody really wants to complicate it. And it's really not. There are things in there. But the ultimate goal is. Once you've accepted Jesus is to go tell people about him. God knows everything about you already. You're not going to hide anything from him as he proved with Adam whenever Adam was trying to hide in the bush. And really, today what this comes down to. is that some of us have never stopped trying to hide from God long enough to ever see Him. Some of us have spent our whole lives trying to hide from God and hide from who He is, that we've never taken the time to accept who He is in our lives. We've never taken that step in our faith. We've never just let Him come in and love us. So the band's going to come play. Just a second. And today really. If you've never. Stopped hiding from God. And you've never stopped running from him. And today is the day that. That you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You know I'll be. You can talk to me or Marty. Or any of the deacons here. We'd love to talk to you. And today really as you go. What I want. The challenge you is. Is God already knows your temptation and sins. Even if you try to hide it from him. So why not. Give that sin and temptation to him. And let him know those things. So that he can help you through them. So that he can get you. To the next step. So that he can get you. From a person of sin and struggling. To a new person. Let's pray. Dear God, I just I thank you for this day. And I thank you for all you're doing in the lives of these people and the lives of these students that we have, God. I thank you for all you do and all you'll continue to do in our lives. And God, there's someone here who doesn't know you, God, I just pray that you will help them to find you and that they'll, they'll find you, God. And I just thank you for all you're doing. And I pray for the temptations we have in life, God, and the struggles we have that that you'll just take those and and you'll just make them your way and make them so much better than what we could have ever imagined. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.